the season is indeed upon you to move beyond the mental ascension, the mental agreement of saying, yes, worship is a good thing. To move into a place of actually doing it on purpose every day. Whenever you face conflict, whenever you face a trial, whenever you face difficult emotions, the time is now. Do it. You go to church, you hear a good message, you agree with it, you say, Amen, Hallelujah, and then you go home and you don't do it. But the season that you are entering into requires you to become doers of the Word. And you must enter into worship. There is no option. You must. You long for victory in your life, but you won't fight for yourself. I've given you all that you need. Now stand up and worship. For it is your weapon of warfare, and the enemy cannot withstand it. So do it. Do you not realize that if you don't see victory in your life, you are to blame. You have failed yourself because you won't do it. So stand up. Worship. Enter into my presence. You're by yourself at home. Just enter in. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Uh, while I am beginning to share a bit, you can open your Bibles to John, the fifth chapter. Uh, as I was spending a lot of time this week in prayer and, and worship and the Word and just seeking the Lord, uh, He began to speak to me about what I would share tonight. And really tonight, I just want to exhort you and encourage you very briefly before we go into our time of prayer. And part of what I want to encourage you about is the fact that we are indeed about to enter into a revival. In fact, this morning, Pastor Jim shared that we're in the beginning stages, and I don't know exactly how to describe that, but you know, if I could think of a, a natural way to describe what that means, I would say we're, we're staging to enter into combat. So if you remember the Second World War, before they, they had, uh, what was it called, something Overlord? It was, that was the plan or the, 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 the nickname or the, the code name for the battle plan. They were all in England and they were staging, getting ready to invade. And so here we are, we're in the staging season of, of entering into revival. Um, I was in conversation with somebody a few weeks ago and they asked me if I thought GCC would enter into revival. You know, did I think that this church, the people here would? Certainly revival would come to other places, but what about GCC? And of course... Immediately, because of what's in abundance in me, my response was, absolutely, revival is now inevitable. It's coming. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, is revival is indeed inevitable. We need to get ready for it. So I want to read to you, actually, a prophecy that Pastor Bronk uh, received, uh, let's see, just a few weeks ago in October, if you go to his website, bronkflint.org, you can find it on the Prophecies tab. It's called, It's Too Late to Stop Revival, dated October 14th of this year. So I'm going to read it to you. It's too late, says the Spirit of the Lord, 
It's far too late, says the Lord, for this thing to be stopped. It's been declared in heaven and it's been released. The dam of my glory has already burst, says the Spirit of the Lord. It's past the point of any adversary stopping this outpouring, says the Spirit of the Lord. That which I have decreed has been sent forth. The army hosts of heaven have already been briefed in the Spirit and assignments have already gone out, says the Spirit of the Lord. And the whens and the wheres of how these things will fall over my nation and over this nation, says the Spirit of grace. For the adversaries in the church or out of the church to stop this thing, it's far too late, says the Spirit of the Lord. This thing has come to a cup that is full in measure, and I have received the prayers of my people and the earnestness of them, says the Lord. So I say unto you that which I have said many times in the past, get ready, but be earnest in your expectation. As the children of Israel stayed up all night, the night before their passage into freedom, with their sandals on and their shoes and their clothes, and they ate their meal in speed, as if something was about to happen, so say I unto you, expect this thing, for nothing can stop it. It has come to full measure, and that authority in earth which I have yearned for and asked for has come to a place, says the Spirit of the Lord. Many will continue, and I encourage you to continue to speak my word as this birthing comes through the birth canal into fullness. But I say unto you, this thing has been released in heaven. I say unto you the assignments of the whens and the wheres of how this thing will come about, where it would fall and how it will leap from place to place has already been assigned, says the Spirit of the Lord, based upon authority and based upon prayers of my saints. So I'd say unto you, live in the expectation of it in the earnest manner. Turn aside, turn aside from anyone that has any less expectation and says, these things are a pipe dream or something that has been orchestrated by man, says the Spirit of the Lord. Do not even try to convince them otherwise. Turn aside and go your own way. Because the expectation is now, says the Spirit of the Lord, stay in that place ready to receive because I say unto you, the night is far spent and the day is at hand, says the Lord. Amen. So some things that I want to draw out of this. Number one, the word that the Lord has given is it's inevitable. It's too late, he even says, to stop the revival that is to come. It's far too late for this thing to be stopped. But he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stop there. He says, he, he, he speaks to us to be in expectation of what is to come. And I think that's part of the challenge for some people is that there's no expectation. And there could be any number of reasons for that. Maybe it's because they've heard of a revival coming many times before and it hasn't come and hasn't manifested. Maybe they've grown tired of waiting. I don't know. But the Lord is telling us to be in earnest expectation so much so he gave an illustration. You know, you don't prepare for a trip unless you know you're going to leave. Who goes through all the trouble of getting the luggage up out of the attic or down from the attic, and, and getting all the stuff washed and packed in the suitcase and then loaded up into the car unless you think you're leaving tomorrow. And yet this is what he's telling us, to be in an earnest expectation in the same way the children of Israel were when they were about to leave Egypt. They were clothed, shoes on their feet, scarfing down some food, very quickly ready to dart out the door the moment the Lord said go. Amen? That's the kind of expectation he wants us to have in our hearts. But he goes on and he says that there are people who won't have this expectation who are not there and it's not our job to try to convince them or whatnot, but in fact to turn them away. And as I was praying about that, the Lord reminded me of when Jairus came to Jesus and said, come and heal my daughter. 
Uh, I think that's Mark chapter 5. Nevertheless, Jesus goes, right? And when he gets there, they say, oh, you know, she's already died. And Jesus says, she's not died, she's only sleeping. And what do the people do, the mourners? What do they do? It says they laughed them to scorn. That means they didn't just like, ha, 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 you're silly. They mocked him. They derided him. They, they, they put him down, whatnot. And what did Jesus do? He threw them out. He didn't try to convince them that she was just asleep or what. He, he didn't do that. He just get out. So that's what the Lord is saying to us right now. That we should be at the point of such a, a fullness within ourselves of being full of faith and conviction that revival is about to hit, that it's already begun that when people would say, nah, we would just walk away from them. I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to try to convince you. You don't want it? Hey man, you're going to see it happening not too soon from now. Amen? Hallelujah. So the question, do you think revival is going to happen? Yes. It is inevitable. In fact, it's already begun. Alain is convinced. Amen? But I'm going to ask you a question, and you on the internet or whoever's listening. Revival is coming. Do you believe it? If you don't have a burning sense of expectation within you, why not? And really, if, if this is your home church, whether you're following us online or you're here Sunday in, Sunday out, really, why not? I mean, how much more does Pastor Jim have to lay it out for us week after week after week after week for it to become an image on the inside of you, for you to finally say, okay, I'm going to come into agreement. You know, one of the things that has been said from this pulpit many times before is we don't just preach what we know, we preach what the Lord is telling us to say. So either you don't believe that, or I don't know. Like, you think that Pastor Jim is making stuff up? He kind of joked around about that this morning. I just make stuff up as I go along. But it was just a joke. When Pastor Jim ministers, he's ministering out of the now word, the today word of the Lord. And if the Lord is speaking to us consistently through his servant about revival, well, hallelujah, let the image be painted. Amen. So my question is, don't you believe that revival is going to happen? Don't ask me if I think revival is going to happen. Ask yourself, do you believe? Amen. And really, this prophecy that I just read to you that Pastor Bronk brought that the Lord gave to Pastor Bronk, right? We understand that the Holy Spirit ministered that through him, right? So it's really the word of the Lord through Pastor Bronk. Do you not see and understand or hear the urgency in it? Like, oh my gosh, it's about to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you don't have expectation, why not? Expectation, I'm going to tell you right now, comes from intimacy. It's interesting, as I was meditating on this today, The Lord spoke to me and he said, expectation is kind of like pregnancy, right? A woman, when she's pregnant, she is expecting. And how does a woman become pregnant? Through intimacy. So without getting gross or weird, okay, don't let your mind go to the gutter, but understand that in order for us to have an expectancy, to be pregnant with that expectancy, we have to be intimate with the Lord, okay? So, Open your Bibles. Let's go to John 5. You should already be there. Verse 19. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, 
and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Just skip down to verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing as I hear. I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Now let's turn a few pages over to John 8. John 8, verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. Amen? Let's go now to John 12. John 12, let's go to verse 49. He says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his, this, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So, just three, verse, three passages where we see that Jesus conveyed very clearly, regularly, consistently, that the message he gave was whatever the Father gave him to say. Whatever he did was whatever the Father gave him to do, and so on and so forth. How could Jesus know to do all these things? How did he know that this was the will of the Father? How? Right? I mean, how often have you in your own life or have you encountered other people who say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a crossroads in my life. I have a decision to make and I just don't know which way to go. I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, have you prayed? Yeah, I prayed. But I still don't know what to do. Well, then you haven't prayed. <laughs> because the Lord has an answer for you. And maybe you're going to have to spend a longer, a lot longer, a lot more time than the two or three minute prayer you gave him to hear him and to know what it is that he wants you to do because that understanding, that knowledge is going to come out of intimacy. Amen? You know, when you, when I'll speak for myself. I know that there have been many occasions where I've gone into a season of prayer because there's a decision before me and I know what I want. But there's a decision. Oh, Lord, show me what to do. Right, Lord? You want me to do this one? Right, Lord? Right, right, Lord? Yeah, uh-huh. Right? Okay. So sometimes intimacy requires that we spend more than just a bit of time, but enough time. And you might say, well, Ali, how much is enough time? When you know. That's how much time it took. Amen? It's kind of like they say, you know, the last place I look is where I found the thing. Well, that's the way it always works. I always found it in the last place I looked. So, how did Jesus know? Well, we won't go there, but Mark 1.35 is a good example. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And there are many, many examples of this throughout the Gospels where Jesus isolated himself from everyone else to do what? To go and spend a lot of time with the Father to, to be isolated with him in intimacy. And when we're isolated in intimacy with the Lord, what happens is we become full of and pregnant with what it is He wants to do, His Word, His expectations. And before we know, we see things the way He sees them. Hallelujah. We, we're talking about revival. What's it going to take? It's going to take us leaving the things of this world behind to go and be alone and intimate with Him. Amen? Hallelujah. We need intimacy with Christ, with the Father, and we need to be intimately acquainted with His Word. In John chapter 14, just before Jesus is about to go to the cross, you guys remember, he's talking, he's having this last conversation with his disciples, right? 
And, you know, he's saying, you know, I'm going to go, but you know the way and, and you know the Father. And Philip says, wait, wait, show us the Father that we may know him. And, of course, Jesus responds. He says, Philip, have you not been with me so long that you not know me and know that the Father is in me? Do you not know these things? And, of course, they did. And they were okay afterwards. I can imagine it must have been pretty uh, scary for them to hear that Jesus was going to be leaving, even though he had been telling them all along. He's saying, like, this is it. I'm leaving now. Wait, what? Already? You know, um, when you're a parent and your kids are born into this world, they're like these tiny little mewling, beautiful things. And you're like, oh, I love you so much. And before you know it, they're leaving the house. How did that happen? It just, right, amen. So I'm going to say this. If you're here tonight, if you're watching tonight, and you don't have an expectation of revival in your heart right now that's burning in you, that's on you. That's your fault. But it's okay. You can fix it. <laughs> Amen? Matthew 25, if you turn there with me. On June 14th, uh, in the evening, Jamie ministered. She preached a message entitled, Time is the Currency. And I strongly recommend that even if you've heard it, go and listen to it again. It will edify you. We're just going to look at a few scriptures very briefly here. Actually, we don't have time. Hallelujah. Let me just give you a synopsis. As you remember, you know, Jesus basically is giving a parable. He says that, uh, well, let's read it. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Amen. So, we understand that the currency is time. That's something that what Jamie was teaching uh, in that message. And she goes, really well into it, so I'm going to encourage you again just to go listen to that. Revival is inevitable, but currency, what we're going to spend, is time. Revival is inevitable, it's coming. And what we see in this parable is that there's an appointed time or there's a, a, a period of time where it becomes too late to spend currency. Okay, Time is, is one of those things, it's a limited resource. Once it's spent, it's gone. You can't save it. You can't bank it. What you have today, what you have right now before you, stretching out before you is all you've got. And if you're not going to use it wisely, if we don't use our time wisely, then essentially we waste it. Okay? There's no making up the time. So we see that the virgins who didn't have oil, they, they run off to buy oil, but by that time it's too late. They can't buy any. There wasn't enough time to get the oil they needed. Amen? So we need to be ready, and the only way we can be ready for revival is for us to spend our currency, our time, properly. I wouldn't say that it's not an exaggeration, in the least, to say that the United States has the 
mightiest military force in the world. And I think most of you being American would all agree with that. One of the things that makes the U.S. military so mighty, so formidable, isn't just technology, isn't just the amount of money they can pour, pour into it. One of the key things is training. And if you talk to any American soldier, whether they be you know, in the Navy or the Air Force or ground troops or whatever, whether they be special forces or regular forces, what do they do all the time? They train all the time. Training, 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 training. And the reason they train all the time is because once you're finally in combat, it's too late. It's too late to train. If you weren't ready for the combat, you can't make it up. If you're, you're lucky if you survive the battle. You might learn something from it, but in all likelihood, you're going to die if you're not well trained. Training happens before deployment. So here we are. This morning we heard, we're, we're right here. We're in the beginning stages of this revival. So that means that the hour is short. If you haven't been training for the last eight, nine months when we've been hearing over and over again, get ready, get ready, get ready, you're, you're, you're down to the wire now. It's kind of like uh, cramming for an exam tomorrow. I've done that so many times when I was a student. Let me tell you, it doesn't work all that well. Okay. But you can still do it. All right? Start cramming now. Training happens before deployment. We're down to the wire. Time is currency. There's not much time left in terms of what's before us. So that means we need to spend our time wisely, right? And I'm going to tell you it's time to disengage. And what that means is there are certain things I know from my life that I've begun to just, they're gone. Little by little, little by little, Jamie and I, our TV watching time has been dropping and it's amazing how dramatically you don't realize how much you watch when you're not paying attention to it. But then when you start paying attention to it, you realize how little you're watching. You think, wow, I was wasting so much time. But we're disengaging. And I'll tell you, one of the ways in which we've disengaged is we've decided we're not, okay, this show is coming back. It's, you know, the new season. We're not going to continue watching it. You know, it kind of ended on a good note for us. We don't need to continue to see what it's going to be like. The other thing is we're not going to start any new shows, right? That's one way to easily disengage because I know what it's like. The flesh wants to see the end of the story and whatnot. So we're not starting something new. If for you it's books, maybe you don't start any new books, any new series. Maybe it's video games for you. Maybe you don't buy any new games and on and on it goes. Amen. Second Timothy, if you want to turn there with me. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 2. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So this is a passage we've heard many times before. And, you know, again, it's amazing how frequently in the word of God, we as his children, we as believers, we as his disciples are likened to soldiers because it's an image that fits very well. And really what, he's, what Paul is talking about here is anyone who's going to be a soldier in the natural basically understands that he's giving up a lot of the things that other people are going to get to do. So, uh, you know, I like watching uh, war movies. They're among my favorite, especially uh, if they're, you know, in World War II and whatnot. And one of the common themes in all these movies or these television shows is at some point you begin to learn about the characters. And as you're learning about these characters, you find out that this guy is engaged to be married. Or this guy has a baby on the way. 
Or this guy, he's going to start a shrimp business when he's finally done with all this. All these things are going on. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. That movie has a lot of profanity in it, unfortunately. I, You know, when you watch it at one point, you're seared to it so you don't recognize it. And then you go back to it decades later and you're like, oh my, my ears are burning. Here's the deal. The common theme with all these soldiers is that they had dreams, they had goals, they had things they wanted to do, they had plans of their own, but they're all deferred. They're all put off until maybe they can go and do it. If we're going to be good soldiers for the Lord, there's right now there may be things that you've been dreaming about that the Lord is saying, you're going to have to defer that for now. That's got to go by the wayside. And I don't know what it is for you. I know for me, some of my plans or some of my goals or some of my dreams is to be close to my family, be close to my kids and so on. And I don't know what the future holds, but I haven't seen my parents since last Christmas. Hi, parents. They're watching tonight. Jamie hasn't seen her parents since last Christmas either. Guess what? We're good soldiers. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean there aren't times when there are tears. But guess what? We chose to live this life, this life now, for Him. And as good soldiers, guess what? Sometimes you don't get what you want. Okay, moving on. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to go to the 23rd verse. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Funny enough, this scripture came up this week. Uh, Jamie and I, uh, somebody was basically using that scripture verse to justify poor dietary choices. A lot of people use this scripture to basically say, you know, all things are lawful. I can do what I want. I think they misunderstood the intent of what Paul was trying to say. In fact, I know they did. The intent isn't to say, I can do what I want. The intent is to say, although some things may not be sin in and of themselves, they may not lend themselves to me accomplishing what God wants me to do in this life. Okay? So, um, so something may not may be lawful in terms of it's not wicked and it's not sin, but it may not be con- conducive to the success of the goal. Amen? You understand? So let's say I want to run a marathon. I've never run a net marathon. I have no intentions of ever running a marathon. I don't know what's wrong with you. My sister runs marathons. Maybe she's a little... Anyways. <laughs> marathons require a lot of discipline. They require a lot of training. They require a lot of preparation. Amen? Especially the longer ones you're going to do. They take a lot. They, 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 there's a toll on your body as you're running it. Amen? So imagine you've trained, you've trained, you've trained for this marathon that's going to happen now this morning and then you decide before you're going to go to the marathon that you're going to stop by the buffet and pig out on breakfast. Yay. Is it lawful? Absolutely. Is it expedient? It is not. In all likelihood, you're not going to make it very far before you collapse and vomit and get sick and all the rest. Everything is lawful, but not everything is expedient. (laughs) Hallelujah. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. We're on the cusp of it. Our toes are in the water. It's here. Amen? That's the takeaway tonight. Revival is coming. The time is short. You know, the the part of the uh, prophetic word was night is far spent. Morning's about to dawn which means there isn't much time left for us to get ready. And I'm going to say this. It's time to prepare. It's been time to prepare. It's time for us to continue our preparation. If you haven't started, then start. 
Preparing means spending additional time with Him. And this is what we, Pastor Jim's been talking to us about, spending those extra hours in, in tongues, those extra hours in the Word, those extra hours in worship. Do it. Hallelujah. But preparing is also shedding or disengaging ourselves from things that are not profitable. If, if there's that expectation burning on the inside of you that revival is about to be burst upon us, if you will, then there should be something in you that says, okay, let me, let me look at my own personal life and evaluate what can and cannot stay, what is and is not expedient. By now, I'm sure most of us are not carrying a bunch of sin, things that are unlawful. That's not what we're talking about, right? It's talking about disengaging ourselves from things that keep us from being ready for what God is about to do. Amen? Finally, I want to say this. It's not too late, but it doesn't mean that it's never too late. There is a point at which we've crossed over. And if you haven't prepared, then you're not ready. You know, an, an army that's training for battle, if they're not going to train, there is a point at which you're going to, you're going to be on the battlefield and you're not ready. In fact, that's, what hap- that's one of the things that contributed to Germany's downfall. They had so many casualties that to fill the ranks, they started taking younger and younger boys and putting them on the battlefield. You had 14-year-olds and 13-year-olds holding rifles going into battle and just dying, just cannon fodder. Because they weren't ready. And they couldn't be ready because it was too late. So it's not too late now, but that doesn't mean it won't be at some point. And I'm saying this for you because it's urgent, okay? There's an urgency. There's still time to prepare, but the night is far spent. Amen? All right. 30 minutes of prayer starts now.